right. Grab your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Mark chapter 7, 14 is where we're going to be today. Uh, Jesus is, this is called a confrontation passage. And so Jesus is in a confrontation with the Pharisees about ceremonial cleansing or uh, uh, cleansing laws is kind of what they're talking about. And he's going to explain that outward traditions have no power uh, to make us acceptable to God. And he's going to talk about where true defilement actually comes from. And so that's kind of the general idea of where we are today. If you would please give your attention to the reading of God's word. And are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is God's word, Crossway. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, we love you. We love you because you have first loved us. You love us enough that um, you tell us the truth about ourselves. Uh, you love us enough that you don't just put your arm around us and, and encourage us, but you love us enough to warn us when we're in danger. And no one loves us like you do. Would you please give us ears to hear what you have to say and hearts that accept it. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so in order to understand what Jesus is talking about here in this passage, we've got to do a little bit of work on understanding this concept of being clean and unclean. Because uh, that's not really a concept that, that in our culture we deal with a whole lot. Uh, God had made certain cleansing laws that involved like the washing of hands and washing of like utensils and bowls and clothes and I mean, even entire houses. Uh, and the purpose of these ceremonial laws wasn't to promote good hygiene. Okay, that's not what all this washing was about to like not spread viruses and stuff. I mean, there was that was a byproduct maybe at times, but these were ceremonial. They were signs. They were to show something. Basically, their real purpose was spiritual. That a spiritual purpose. They were to visibly show in a way that, that we could actually see and be reminded of that, that, that sin is real. Because sin's invisible, right? Until it's acted out. 
And so these are signs and ways to, to show people that sin is actually real and that if sin is not dealt with, it will separate us from God and from one another, both right now and forever. And so that's the purpose of what's going on here. So, for instance, if someone had mildew uh, or mold in their house or they ate the wrong kinds of food, unclean food, uh, or they came into contact with a dead body or uh, they came into contact with a discharge of blood, that person became ceremonially unclean. Uh, they were stained and they were separated from worshiping with uh, God, with the community until they could be cleansed. So there's ways for them. To, it's like a permanent situation, in other words. All right. That's what that's why this is a sign to be reminding people you're unclean. You can be cleansed. And this is happening over and over. The thinking was God is holy, and because He's holy, you need to be made acceptable to come into the presence of a holy God. You have to have that stain that's on you removed. And this actually, if you think about it, is not entirely unlike what we do today. It's not unlike when we meet with someone that's very special to us, with someone that's a very valuable or important person in our life. Uh, we wouldn't wear a shirt with a barbecue stain running down the front to go have dinner with them, right? We don't do that. We, what do we do? We go put on a clean shirt, right? We take a shower and we wash the stink off of us. We run a comb through our hair or put a hat on. And then we would go to dinner with them. These are like outward visible signs that demonstrate we value that person. They are important to us and it prepares us to have that meal with them to be in relationship with them. And so the true purpose of these cleansing laws was to remind people that on our own, we have stains. We have the stain, the mold, mildew of sin. Then that makes us unacceptable to God. Jesus and the Pharisees actually both agree on that point. But they would disagree on the source of that defilement. In other words, they would, they would disagree on where that unacceptableness actually originates from. And they disagree on how to remedy that defilement. And so today, Jesus is going to tell us where this defilement doesn't come from, where it does come from, and the only remedy for it. Where it doesn't come from, where it does come from, and the only remedy for it. First of all, this defilement does not come from the outside, Jesus says. This, this sense of being unacceptable and not enough, that doesn't come from, the outs, from outside of us. We'll look in the text, it's verse 18 and 19, and, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? And he's going to give the rationale why. Here's his argument. Since it enters not his heart, it enters not his heart, but into his stomach and then is expelled. It's actually pretty graphic language in the Greek. Ceremonial hand washing, the eating of the wrong foods, Jesus says, that cannot defile us. Why? Because the wrong foods don't enter into our heart. That, that's the core of who we are, the core of our being. It doesn't get there. It doesn't touch the heart. The, it, it enters our stomach and then into the toilet. 
Like the word is latrine here. So it goes in and just, it passes the core of a person. It never touches it. It doesn't get there. And yet the efforts of the Pharisees to deal with this sense of being just unacceptable, inconsequential, I'm not enough, their efforts in dealing with that before God and before the community dealt almost exclusively with the external behaviors. That's really what they hammered down on in the community. What you could visibly see and therefore judge and evaluate. Now Jesus is saying that it's only, only dealing with the external behaviors will never give us a sense of being accepted by God. Because that approach, that strategy, stays on the surface, so to speak. It doesn't address our heart. And I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it, Jesus is always trying to get to your heart throughout the gospel. He wants to get at at your heart and my heart. And this doesn't get to the heart. It's the what you're doing. And Jesus says, but I want to talk about why you even did it. Because that's where the change comes from. And that's what we need to chat about. Merely reading the Bible more, praying harder, avoiding certain music and certain movies, uh, serving the poor. These have have some temporary value to them. There's some value to them. But they will not take away that feeling that we are defiled. We're unacceptable. And we, and we, I mean, we don't like talking about that in public, but we all kind of feel that in the lonely times of our, of our night. And here's the reason why that doesn't work. Here's why that doesn't change us. Jesus says that kind of thinking fundamentally misunderstands the source of our defilement. That kind of thinking, it, it believes that the defilement, see, it's out there. It's out there somewhere. And so I've got to keep it from coming in here or in here. See? It's out there. That's where the problem is. It's all those people out there. Uh, out there in that family that I got put in. And they did this to me. It's, it's out there in the community that I find myself a part of. In the school system. That's what's wrong. Hollywood, that's what's wrong. That's what's causing all the defilement. It's the drug culture. And so in this reason, if I do enough good things, pure things on the outside, and if I avoid enough of the defiled activities or people, then I can become acceptable to God and I can stay acceptable to God or or my community that I'm a part of. I can get acceptable and stay acceptable. I can become a good person and I can avoid being one of those bad people in society that's making all this awful. Brothers and sisters, we must hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus says to us that there is no rest for us. There is no rest for us in focusing on external behaviors to make us pure, to make us acceptable, to make us good enough. And you know why? Because you can never tell if you did enough. You can never tell if you did enough to be good enough. Am I still good enough with everyone? I don't know. 
Maybe I was yesterday. Am I still good enough for God? I was probably yesterday. I don't know, but today's a new day. How do you know when you get to good enough? There is only the constant washing of hands. There is only the constant question about what food we're eating, what corporation it came from, and who does that corporation support financially? You see how tiring that is? That's just washing. That's just cleansing. There's only washing and washing and washing. Only constant defending and posturing one's purity and one's acceptableness to God. See, what? I'm a good person. Outward actions cannot change the core of who we are. And here's why. They are because they are not aimed at the right source. They're aimed at a symptom, but they're not aimed at the source of where that defilement comes from. Secondly, our defilement, that's where it doesn't come from. So where does it come from? Our defilement comes from within us. And folks, it's pervasive. Our defilement comes from within us, and Jesus says it's everywhere in us. It's pervasive. That's what it means. It's widespread. Look at the text, verse 20 through 23. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, out of the heart of man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, that's like whatever is pleasurable to the five senses, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within. And they defile a person. Jesus teaches that the source of our unacceptableness to God is our heart. It's our heart. In the Bible, by the way, when the Bible refers to the heart, it's not talking about like what we think about on Valentine's Day. Okay, It's not just talking just about our emotions and affections, although it's included. What, what the Bible is talking about is what do we desire the most and what, how we think and like what moves us to act on those things. The core of a being, our being is what the heart is throughout Scripture. And so Jesus is boldly teaching that every person is corrupt at the very core of their being. And that is why we think and speak and do sinful things. That's why. Now this was really offensive to the Pharisees when they heard this because they looked at their good deeds and they considered themselves the good guys in society that was making society better and better. So this was really offensive to them. And it's offensive to us, is it not? Come on, amen? Nobody going to amen me today, huh? That's offensive to us today too. Jesus is saying, guys, that what is wrong with the world lives inside of you. What's wrong with the world lives inside of me. 
Let me put it this way. Jesus is teaching that what you find unacceptable in society right now, what you find, the kind of things that you just find repugnant, and the world would just be better if those people didn't exist anymore. The stuff that we find defiling to our society, our school, our whatever, our neighborhood, that stuff actually lives in your heart right now. It just hasn't been triggered yet. Awakened yet. Let me say there's not an easy fix for that. Okay? There's not an easy fix. And to really put an exclamation mark on this point, Jesus goes on to list 12 vices that actually come out of the heart. Because we're really good about concepts and like vagueness and dodging that. And he's like, I'm going to give you some specifics of what I'm talking about, right? Six of these are in the plural, which denotes that their behaviors are ongoing actions. Six of them are in the singular, which denotes that they're more like attitudinal things, how we think, okay? He says, here's what comes out of the heart. Sexual morality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Now, some of these things, obviously, they're, they're simple enough for us to understand. We know sexual immorality. We understand murder, theft, adultery, okay? But I think we ought to linger, linger over a, a, just a few of these to kind of help tease us out a little bit. What's coveting? Coveting is wanting something that doesn't belong to you. It's not for you. It's for them. It's not for you. It may never be for you. And you want it anyway. You want it anyway, even though it's not yours or not for you. You want it like it's, like it's yours. Deceit. Deceit, obviously, is, is telling lies to people. Uh, but it's more than that. Deceit is being tricky. Deceit is an unwillingness to come to the truth. I, I'm not coming to the truth. And I'll duck, dodge, and hide, and I mean, whatever I got to do. I don't want to be known. I don't want it to be known. I want to cover it. Slander. Slander is speaking so as to hurt someone or to damage their reputation. Okay, so there's an intentionality. I want to damage that person's reputation with the words that come out of my mouth or I post online, right? Uh, pride. Pride is thinking that you're superior to other people. That's all it is. Pride has to have someone else to compare it to. It's not that you're smart, it's that you're smarter than. You understand what I'm saying? It's not that you're good, you're better than. Okay, that's, that's when you know you've wandered into pride. So you are superior to someone else. Man, you are more in the know than they are. You know, you know, and they're sheeple, and you are not sheeple. You're an individual, because you know more than other people. That's pride. You're more intelligent about a subject, maybe. You're more morally pure than other people. You're just a better person in how I live my life. What's foolishness? Foolishness is, an, is just an attitude of, I don't care what happens when I do that. I, I don't care what the results are. I'll live with it. Well, that's how a fool talks. 
Jesus says the real reason that we do those things, say those words, or have those kinds of thoughts is that they come from inside our heart. Yes, you did mean to do that. Don't say you didn't mean to do it in the moment. You did, he's saying. Don't, you did mean to say that. It's not that out there. Came from inside our heart. And so just, just to be clear, he's not merely, I mean, he's really going hard at the Pharisees here, the religious folk, the church going folk. He's, he's saying not just that our heart's unclean, he's saying that it's pervasively unclean. It's not like a one little spot, in other words. In other words, sin is spread into every fold and every crack of our life like mildew in a house spreads. He, he, he's not saying that we're as immoral or as wicked as we could possibly be, right? Or we'd all be in prison right now, right? And we're not. He's not saying we're as bad as we could possibly be. What he's saying is simply that sin has, it has infected every part of our being from top to bottom. Our very thinking processes are affected by sin. How we express our personality, use of logic, how we respond to other people's behavior, and even what we want and desire the most. So the, it's like totally, okay? Now, re, now remember when we read this passage earlier, Jesus is giving this teaching about defilement where? Inside a house, Right? He was outside a house, so now where is he teaching? Inside a house. Talking about what? The inside of a person, right? That's not like a throwaway detail. This is the setting of his teaching. He's inside a house where he's talking about the defilement of a person while he's inside of a house. Now, here's what I find interesting. There's a cleansing law in Leviticus that actually illustrates quite well what Jesus, he's doing show and tell. He's always doing show and tell in Mark. He shows and he tells. And it, it illustrates exactly what Jesus is talking about consider, concerning the human heart. It's in Leviticus 14. And it says that if a house has a leprous disease in it, the priest is supposed to scrape the plaster off the wall wherever he finds those spots of that leprous disease, that mold or mildew, whatever it is. He's supposed to go in and he's supposed to scrape the plaster off the walls, get it out, and remove the, the, you know, the stones because there's a spot here and a spot here and a spot here. And just take them out and put new stones in there. Right? Remove all those stones in the plaster that has a disease in it. And they're supposed to go take it outside to the unclean place. Now check out what happens. Verse 43 through 45. It continues. This cleansing law continues. God says, if the disease breaks out again in the house, after he's taken out the stones and he scraped the house, and he's replastered it. Then the priest shall go in and look. So the priest goes back into that person's house, and he makes an examination. He goes and he's going to look. And if the disease has in fact spread in the house, it is a persistent leprous disease in the house. It is a persistent disease in the house. It is unclean. And he shall break down the house. It's stones and timber and all the plaster of the house. And he shall carry them out of the city to an unclean place. The priest will bulldoze the house. 
to the ground and not leave a little, not even dirt is left. Not even dust of the sheetrock is left. That's the answer to that, right? Who's Jesus? He's our high priest. Is he not? Do you know what Jesus is doing in this house? Do you guys see this? Jesus, our high priest, he is coming with this teaching. And he has inspected each and every one of us. And Jesus says, hmm, hmm. The defiling disease has spread. It is in the walls of the house. It's in the walls of the house. We can't scrape it out with some good deeds. Tried that, doesn't work. Tried that, didn't work. We cannot plaster over it. We can't paint over it. Can't wallpaper over it. Doesn't work. Still there. Can't see it. Still there. We can't plaster over it. You know why? Because it's not on the surface. It's not on the surface. The sin is in the walls of the house. And it's spread persistently throughout the whole person. And something radical has to be done about it. That's what Jesus is saying to you and me. Something radical has to be done about it. And so what is that? What's the only remedy for that? Death and resurrection. That's the only remedy. Death and resurrection is the only remedy for that defilement, that unacceptableness. I just want to take a breath and go, is anybody bothered by how Jesus ends this teaching besides me? Because it really bothered me. That's it. He's done. He's going to walk away and just start teaching something else and like, like let this just kind of hang out there in the room. He just ends with this really grim picture of the human heart. Do you feel it? Jesus, says, Jesus gives this picture and he's like, our hearts are like this industrial factory that is constantly like pumping out sins by the truckload that our mind and our mouth and our hands and our body is delivering out into society. Like Amazon Prime. It's just pumping it out. Boom, 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 boom. I come from in, it comes from inside you, inside me. And I think Jesus ends this teaching this way so that you and I will understand just how radical the solution must be. Not ought to be, must be. Yeah, are you feeling that? We cannot reform a sinful heart. We cannot reform it. Teach it to do better. A sinful heart will resist all efforts to reform. Why? Because he says it's deceitful. Right? A sinful heart will say, sure, reform. Okay, I'll do that up to this point. And it's like, nope, I'm not going to give that up. Nope, I'm not going to listen to that. Nope, I'm not changing. I've changed enough. We cannot educate ourselves out of this defilement problem. We just get smarter at sinning. That's all we do. 
and a lot more efficient. Now, we can't fix things by external religious practices either because it doesn't go to the heart of a person. It doesn't get to their heart. Why are you doing that? Why are you acting that way? Why are you believing those things? It just stays on the surface. It doesn't go to why our heart wants that the most. The only remedy to a defiled heart is for it to die. It must die to be taken out. What do you do when you take a heart out? It dies, doesn't it? Take it out and be replaced with a completely new heart. Not a band-aid up heart, not a patched up heart, not one that's got like a vitamin E shot to it. You can't reform it. Got to have a brand new heart. Got to build a brand new house on that plot. That's what Jesus is saying. Like, like when those priests, they come in, they see that disease is persistent despite all the cleaning efforts. All that scraping that spot and scraping that spot didn't work. They see that it's persistent. The only solution is to put tape over the front, say it's condemned, and bulldoze it down. We've got to build a brand new one. And we're not going to use any of that lumber that's there. It's got to be all new material. Remove that rubble. Take it to the unclean spot. Change has to be that radical, brothers and sisters. It's got to be that comprehensive. And Jesus really wants us to see this, feel this, believe this. He, and by the way, Jesus isn't teaching anything brand new. He's actually reminding people of a promise made long ago by God and that he's come to fulfill that very promise. Look at it. It's in Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. God says this. God says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone. Kind of like those priests come in taking out the stones, right? I'll put a new one in there. I will take out your heart of stone from your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. One that's soft and tender and listens. I'll give that to you, right? Verse 27, and I will put my spirit not around you. He says, within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. We die to sin by uniting ourselves to Jesus by faith. That's how we die. Jesus killed the power of sin in his body by dying on the cross. He became that condemned building, right? He became that condemned building so that when he was destroyed, the power over, of sin over you and I would be destroyed too. Then he said, tear down that building in three days I'll build a new one, Right? And they thought they were talking, he was talking about the temple. And he was talking about his body. And Jesus said, I'll be the condemned building. Unite yourself with me and power of sin is going to be destroyed. Utterly destroyed, not reformed, destroyed. But Jesus did not stay dead, did he? Jesus rose to new life. Because of his resurrection, we have been given a new resurrected heart that wants new Things. That's how you can tell if you actually have had the new birth or not. Or if you're just kind of doing the external Christian thing. 
You want new things. Things that please God. Look at here to Romans 6, 3 through 4. It says, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? That's what baptism represents, right? Four. It says, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That's what baptism is. It is, it is that acting out of the gospel for you and I. This is what Hal Sinkbell calls baptismal therapy. <laughs> so when I see sexual immorality in me, when I see superiority and greed in me, when I see hatred of other groups or wickedness lurking in my own heart, I, I don't try to minimize that. See, they're just kind of making me feel that way. I don't try to reform that. I crucify that. I crucify that and I don't play around with that. Right? I put it to death. I put it under the water. I put it in the, in the grave. I die to it by calling it what it is. That's gross. And that came from in me. Lingle? And I do it by also remembering that I've been baptized into death with Christ. You need to remember your baptism. I'm not talking about the day you got baptized. I'm talking about like what that means. What do I do? I ask Christ to kill those evil desires within me and replace it with new ones. Jesus, by goodness, replace it with new ones. Life-giving ones, resurrected ones, resurrected desires that please the Father. That's what I want. That's how someone who's been born again talks and thinks. I ask him to apply the cleansing, that cleansing forgiveness again. Wash that conscience. Wash my conscience again. I ask him to apply the power of his resurrection so that I would want what pleases him going forward. It's dying and rising, dying and rising. It's not reforming. It's death and resurrection. This is the only solution for a heart that is defiled, death and resurrection. And the core of our being must die and it must be raised to life again. And this is possible through trusting daily, trusting daily in Jesus who died and rose again for us. And knowing and believing that we are united to him. Praise his name. Let's pray. Jesus, this is, uh, this is kind of a far message. You're not uh, always touchy-feely when you teach, but you're always good. And I hope, I hope you can help us today. I hope you can help us see how much you really love us by telling us the truth. Help us look not out, not look at everybody else, but look in. Look at what's wrong within 
and help us see that it, this can't be reformed. It's got to die. It's got to be buried and we've got to be raised to life with you. So Lord, I, I pray that you give us courage. It takes courage to look at this stuff in our hearts. It's not for the faint of heart. And help us see that there's life on the other side. There's forgiveness, there's sanctification. There's actual true change. There's actual real change that happens on the other side of this. So help us hear the, the, the hard-to-hear news so we can get and hear that good news and encounter that grace and experience. Lord, you love us so much. Thank you for loving us. In your sacred name we pray, amen.